0: guys welcome back to another episode of the sexy scary book club i'm lisa i'm jess (laughs) and uh what are we talking about this week let's just dive right in we are talking about kind alphas yeah maybe i don't know now
1: (laughs) well i was like yeah kind alphas this will fit the bill and now i i don't know i'm not really sure my alpha is kind i think he's just better than what was presented to us previously.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't have to mean kind as in, like, he's a kind person in general. Just kind as in the way that he treats the lady of the book. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I think well, they both fit the bill in that regard. I mean, I don't mine know. <laughs> is definitely like introduced as a morally gray character. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll get into it. I feel like yes. there's a lot of similarities between the relationships in our books. There
1: are. I feel like um, there's a lot of similarities between our books. Actually, <laughs> like maybe somebody was a little inspired. I don't know. I mean, I that's say. fair.
0: Yeah, I certainly was inspired <laughs> for other activities, but yes, okay. <laughs> uh, so, what are what did you read?
1: So I'm still playing in the world of Plated Prisoner. Uh, so what is my book? We just had a conversation about that because they're all too similar. Am I gilded?
0: I'm guild right now. No, that's the first one. I think it's Glint. <laughs> Glint. Or Glint. That sounds good. Glint, right. Glint, Gleam, and Glow are the three Yeah, so remaining. I'm in Glint.
1: I'm in Glint because I'm reading Gleam next or Glow. Now gloves the, the most recent. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm in Glentland, um, and basically we've left off at the end. We kind of talked about this in the last episode. Aaron uh, ends up with the fourth army. I still can't figure out what to call them. I, I even I was gonna make a note what they're called territories or whatever. We're with the fourth, and we're getting to know Commander Rip and his army and that's where we're at and it's really just about her kind of hanging out in these camps and getting to know these people and getting to know herself because for the first time she's not in a cage <laughs> right. uh, yeah and like you had mentioned your friend Liz had said that like this I don't know about this book like she's just walking around a lot She's not wrong. That is a lot of what this book is, but I think it is meaningful because, like I said, for the first time, she's not in a cage, and she yeah, can she's just,
0: able to walk around. Yeah, she's got she, freedom to explore. Exactly. She can go where she wants within reason. I mean, I think if she tried to escape, they would. Technically, yes. she is still a prisoner for she all intents is, and purposes.
1: Yeah, but I think the big like. I think the overall message of this book is that, like, yes, she's a prisoner. She's always been a prisoner. Now she's like, yes, I'm a captive. You're my captor. But she's actually the most free she's ever been in her life in this situation where she's supposedly a captive. Um, So that was a nice. I liked that. And I do like even though she's walking around everywhere, it's once again really smartly written where you get a lot of flashbacks. And I really do think this is actually more of Midas and her story. You're starting to get to know Commander Rip a little bit, and you're, like, I personally like falling for Commander Rip. I'm like, oh, he's he's better than Midas. I love him. Um, but you really are getting those flashbacks of how she became so loyal to Midas and why their relationship is so strong, um, and why she chose to trust Midas and still does, even though you're like, well, this is clearly better. Like you're getting to like learn how to be strong, and you're making friends, and this guy seems to have your back, and he's treating you kindly-ish. Uh, but she's still so loyal to Midas. So you do learn a lot about that, like how Midas helped her when she was totally beaten down and vulnerable and had nobody. So I don't know, but like, it feels like it's trying to like woo you a little bit, but then also still making it very clear that Midas is using her. So I think this is when you really can tell, like the first book, you're not quite sure this book, you know, like Midas is not going to be the love interest in this series at all. Um.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, it, it's really in, I, you get hints of it in the first book, but in this book, more you understand that Oren realizes that Midas is using her, or like has realized that for some time. Yeah, but their perceived bond, at least, whether or not that bond, you know, we don't get anything from Midas's side, so we're just having to assume his feelings based on Oren's narrative, and um that bond to her is strong enough to, like any abusive relationship, like you make allowances for that person's behavior because, oh, they're not always like that or he didn't always used to be like that. And see, this is a little mirror into like what our life used to be like together or what he's come from that has, you know, Mm -hmm. made him the way that he is today. Um, And for her, see, I like this book so much um books like this anyways because you're really starting to get that push and pull within Oren. because he, at the end of the day like she is right that she's being used on both sides you know both of these men want to use her for their own end it's just with rip well i mean he doesn't know her very well yet but you also get this glimpse into him that is, like, wanting to to find a way to build her back up because he sees that she's been used and, what's the word I'm looking for, like, minimized. And yeah. she knows, like, he knows where she comes from and what she is, and he, like, is just wanting her to find that power again.
1: Well, and that's the thing where I'm like, is he kind? Because, like, I think his intentions are right, like... You know, if I were to choose, I rather own my shit and, you know, realize who I truly am and find my power. And I think he's pushing her to do that. But he's also like she's weak, like she doesn't want to face this shit and he's forcing her to. So I'm like, I don't know how kind you're being like, <laughs> you know, I know, like ultimately the end game, she'll be stronger. But like, I, would I say that he's being kind? I'm not really or nice. Not really. Um, But he is giving her something that Midas has never given her. And I don't think anyone in her life has ever given her is like he's asking her questions like about her. Like he's actually trying to get to know her and not just being like, oh, there's the like gilded favored or whatever Midas calls her. Um, And like you said, he's using her. And like I think she says like. Oh, I'm sure he's using me. He's got to be using me. And he's just trying to manipulate me. But I don't really feel like he's using her in this book.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just like the perception. Her her perception. In her perception that she's being – she's just going to be a tool for his side of the army because he's trying to use all of the saddles to get intel on Midas. Yeah, so, but I don't like, think that's never, really what he's doing. Because he never he asks thinks.
1: for any intel. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. She's always saying, like, this is what he's doing, but there's never any evidence that that's what's happening because, like, he never pushes her about Midas. In fact, many times he says, like, we're not talking about Midas. Like, he fucking, he can't stand Midas. So that's, like, I think that's why it's easy for, like, as a reader, <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah. Rip is the best because Rip can't stand Midas either. <laughs> and neither can we. He gets and we, it. Yeah. And we want Orin to like realize like, hey, Midas is a douche, right? <laughs> and, like he sees it right away. But like she doesn't trust it or trust his perspective because she doesn't trust him. And so that's like, a lot of this book is about why she trusts Midas, which is, you know, faulty at its finest. Because like it's just not a really strong reason to trust somebody. And then,
0: yeah, I mean, just because you like experience trauma with someone, yeah, and they that does like, cre- I can understand how that creates a bond between a two bond. people, but yes. it's not always like the healthiest dynamic to perpetuate as you're, yeah, trying to move on and heal from that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing that's interesting. It's like I, like I said, I don't know if Commander Rip is kind or what are we calling it, nice. i don't know if he's nice but he's being like human you know (laughs) like he's treating her humanely um, and treating her like she's another being with feelings and emotions and needs and desires and midas has never done that midas has just been like you don't need to have any any thoughts any needs anything because i'm here i'm gonna keep you safe i've got you locked up no one can touch you you know, I covet you basically, but there's not a real relationship there. And there's no potential for her to like grow or like have challenges. And
0: it's Well, yeah. Like, I mean, that's, I I don't even think we discover or in secret in this book yet. We do. So that, oh, we do. Okay. Yeah. At the end. Um, But it, like if you give somebody too much freedom or you allow them to grow and change or ask questions or have like choice is a big, I think, common theme because that's I think Rip is giving her choice choices and that's not something that she's had but like obviously once you learn her secret you understand why Midas doesn't want her to have that because the more questions you start to ask the less control that that other person has over you when when you remove all of someone's choice then it makes it a lot easier to, to keep their world really narrow and and have mm-hmm. them only see what you want them to see. Like a very just kind of curated existence so that they're serving their purpose for you. Whatever right. and purpose may maybe be. That is like
1: what like wins me over for Commander Rip is like he wants her to live authentically. Like and she talks a lot about like there's that like, kind of that metaphor metaphor <laughs> metaphor <laughs> that's going through the whole book is like this glass that's just like slowly cracking. And like she's kind of starting to pick at it, you know, and kind of make it crack a little bit more. And Rip's just very much like you got to crack that shit and then rebuild it in a way that's true, you know, because like she is very aware that she's surrounded in lies and that she's like keeping parts of herself from being there, you know, and that she like it's weird because it's like she knows she's holding her tongue around Midas, but she's convinced herself that she needs to do it like she owes it to him it's it's actually really uncomfortable at times like if you're someone that has been in like any kind of an abusive relationship or a relationship where you don't have the power like it's really high and it really shows up at the end of the book which makes sense because she's had this freedom and kind of this flow of life with commander rip and it really it's um she develops a lot of friendships with like his like little
0: yes i love that that's like my favorite i i love that part in a lot of series where you like get to go into this other world and you're meeting those characters (laughs) and you're like getting a snippet of you know what that life is like and yeah and the acceptance I mean certainly there's like a lot of people in the camp that don't accept her but I I feel like they are much more welcoming than the members of the court or whatever you want to call it where she lives with Midas
1: well, especially when we've just come away from the Red Raids and you've seen these men that are truly just evil and, like, have no compassion or empathy. Like, even these guys, like, they're kind of, like, jabbing at her a little bit. Um, But there's still a sense of, like, restraint and a sense of, like, we're not going to do anything that's going to cross the line and actually, like, hurt her. Or, you know, there's, there's some respect there. Or Commander- the other
0: saddles.
1: Or the other saddles,
0: yeah. Like, nobody's they're just them be about with them they're not yeah. like, raping them and you know what i mean like the pirate dudes were gonna do
1: yeah and le- and like the men make it clear too like that wouldn't be acceptable commander rip would not allow that like that's not how we function that's not, you know and so you're not mean, a like, rape
0: and pillage kind we're of community. not
1: not at all um and you definitely get that like not only through what people are saying but because like there is this like camaraderie that she's building with like rips like i don't know like right hand left hand and behind guys like there's more than one right it's called yeah. the wrath or whatever um and like i love it because she finally was like wow i've got these ribbons i don't use them i'm weak
0: yeah they're like, weak. Every, yeah i keep, well, I we keep didn't realizing even, that we didn't even talk about that whole scene in the last book where she was on the boat and she or Captain Fame. Oh, that's true because you do know what her power is in that moment because yeah. she turns him. She turns him to gold. gold in front of the other. Is it? It is in front of the other saddle because then and that Rousseau. saddle has no. the the goods on her. Um, And there's this kind of, like, uneasy alliance that has yeah. bloomed between those two.
1: Which is also really interesting, like, because you're set up in this camp where she's, like, sure that everyone's manipulating her. They just want to get information about Midas. And really the only person that is openly manipulating her is the saddle, Rissa. Like, she's like, hey, I know your secret. I will keep it, but you're going to need to make me rich. And so they've come to, like, this in- agreement that, like, once she can turn things gold again she's going to start getting things for rissa so rissa can leave and have a life of freedom as well but yeah like that's the only person that's truly manipulating her that we know of um because like the rest of the crew like i don't i love i love lou i think lou's actually the kind alpha of this story and she's amazing and i love her because she's badass she commands the troops like she's there's four commanders besides rip like i guess they're like second commanders i don't know um and she commands them um and she's all about like like she basically sees Arin, and she's like, come on. And she like includes her in this like little game that they have going where they steal the fancy wine back and forth, yeah, right. you know? Yeah. And then she's like, oh, you want to learn to fight? And like Arin like feels comfortable enough to ask her, which was not something she'd ever be able to do before in her life with Midas. And she's like, will you teach me how to fight? She's like, yeah, yeah, I will. Like, and I love that. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I just love, a, maybe it's just like a sisterhood kind of thing that I think is great. And I would I love seeing that in these books too. But yes, Commander Rip is there. Let's not pretend like he's not dreamy because I love him. <laughs> but like he is more like he's just kind of like prodding her. Like he, like I said, he asks her questions that kind of open up and then shatter that glass a little more. But it's in a way that she's shattering the glass. Like, you know, he's instigated a thought in her. So she thinks it's manipulation. I think it's actually a gift. I think he is being kind in that manner because he's letting her kind of figure it out on her own. Um, and then like the real gutter is at the end when he's finally like, hey.
0: You know, they've decided
1: they're gonna return her. Like that's Midas's. Like you gotta, you know, we can make peace. We don't have to go to war, but on good faith, I need my. I always forget what he calls her. My gilded, my precious, (laughs) my whatever,
0: something golden touched, golden touched, -touched?
1: yeah. Like he's like, you gotta bring her back to me, and like Rips like gives her the option, like, do you want to go? Like, do you want to stay? And like it, like she's so shocked by that. She's like, what do you mean, like? Of course I can't stay. Um, And she does make it really clear she's, like, very loyal to Midas, but, like, he's still kind of having that hope. And then he ultimately does hand her over because that's what she said she wanted, which I think.
0: Yeah, but I do – it is really heartbreaking because it's also heartbreaking because you know the – Internal struggle that she's having over, yeah. Yeah, As a reader, you're very aware that glass has started to be cracked. And I think that if it wasn't for this overwhelming sense of loyalty that she has toward Midas, that she would stay, yeah. But she can't bring herself to betray him in that fashion, even though he has already shown. That he would betray her in a heartbeat if it was like folky. to further himself. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess we don't know that a hundred percent because he got dealt with before anything happened. Which then Midas came back and said, "Oh, that was my plan all along." But right. I think that loyalty is absolutely, at least, starting to be chipped away at this point because you do ha- you do get that reservation that she has about going back but it's just like it's this eventuality that she she doesn't feel like she has a, really has a choice to stay even yeah. though like part of her might want to she has to go back because she owes that to Midas because of what yeah, they've I, been through or whatever absolutely and there is like towards
1: the end too oh, so well written um like the the chapter before she decides like well before it's happening that she's going to get handed back off to Midas she talks a lot about a pendulum how she's kind of swinging back and forth. And this pendulum is kind of interwoven throughout that whole time period. So like you feel this like ticking, you know, like the time is like passing and like, she's going to have to decide. And that's also the first time it's really brief, but she kind of makes mention of Midas will never give up. I know Midas will do whatever he has to do to get me back. And, I don't want to like have to deal with the collateral of that, like
0: who he might hurt, right? Like I don't want to feel responsible for being like yes. the cause of a war, being yeah. the, like Diana of Troy, right? If you will. Well, and then like the potential <laughs> for like and I mean, you know,
1: like Lou could be injured. You know, these people that she's kind of developed friendships with could possibly be hurt, just like Digby. Her, what is her? I don't know. Handler or
0: something. Her handler. I don't know what you would call her. Her guard. Yeah. Digby and Sale,
1: both her guards have both gone. Well, Digby's missing at this point. She's assuming he's dead. And Sale was obviously brutally murdered. Um, But you are seeing that, like, her motivation might not be completely about her loyalty to Midas. There might be something else on the other side of that pendulum swing. And it's actually a loyalty to these new friends that she's made. But, like, she doesn't say it outright. And so, you know, like, as far as I think Commander Rip knows, it's just she's completely loyal to Midas. Um, And I will say she never she never doesn't say that to him. Like, she's always very clear. Like, I will always choose him no matter how I feel, no matter how strong I am, no matter how much I want to be free. I'm still going to choose him because I know that about myself. Um, So I do appreciate that about her. But I also want to, like, knock it out of her kind of like he does. But he doesn't knock it he doesn't knock it out of her. So he is a nice alpha. Because he does. He makes See, moves to build her. It's up.
0: hard because like I totally get what you're saying. And I have the same uh conflict with my alpha because yeah. like at the end of the day, it still is a manipulation. It is, yeah. It kinda. still is a way of like, how can I present this information to this person so that like ultimately they're gonna do what I want. But just in the cases of these alphas, it's a more altruistic end because what they want is for these women to heal yeah but it's just like I don't know it's still manipulation even if it's for like the greater good but I don't like isn't that just what therapy is (laughs) I mean, I guess, yeah, it's like like manipulation and then you have to lead yourself through
1: it and, you know, discover your own truths. Um, But you're still
0: having somebody that's like in charge of how they're presenting this information to you in hopes that that it's going to get you to where they feel like you need to be for this growth to take place. It's true. Yeah. But I still think it's kind and I don't know, maybe that's just because I'm emotionally fucked up, but... No, and I will
1: I think so. There is a scene in this um book that is kind of like this, like intimate moment you get between Rip and Arin, and they're like on this little beach, um. And at this point, like he's really kind of been pushing her to admit, like she's Faye. We haven't said that; like, kind of assumed
0: it, but she's well, yeah. I mean, we kind of d- yeah said that and, there was Faye at the yeah, end, so and he
1: really wants her to acknowledge that. So that actually go back. There's another scene that's great where they're like fighting which i guess isn't really nice but it kind of is like he's not hurting her he just wants her to find her fury and to find her voice and that like the kind of like the big culmination of that is her yelling out i'm Faye, you know (laughs) Um, but then they end up on this beach and he's sitting there alone and she's like what are you doing and he's like waiting to see that and it's this moon that's like a morning moon and it's something in the Faye tradition where they watch this moon and then they think of those that they've lost and like basically mourn the people they've lost. And so I think that's a, a really nice moment where you see like he is a kind soul. Like he has regrets or he feels something when he loses people. If you contrast that with Midas who Midas is never sad about anything. Like there's no empathy. It's just like, like, even when people do her wrong, like, when she comes back, he's like, don't worry. Like, I'll cut off all their toes and pull off all their nails and blah, blah. Like, he's very extreme. And it's never like, hey, how are you? Are you okay? Like, that must have been really hard. And, like, when she talks about her guards, like, it's like, oh, they failed. Like, blah, blah. You
0: know, it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, that happened.
1: Like, you know, there's just oh, no Yeah, empathy. like, if
0: there's, like, punishment to somebody else that Midas has blamed for whatever has happened. He doesn't yeah. take, like, any consideration in how that might make Orin feel guilty that you're, like, yeah, punishing somebody because of me. That uh, doesn't yeah. even enter into his consciousness at all.
1: No, he ticks completely differently, and it's very... I mean, I think he's insane, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's totally, like, a psychopath or yeah, a sociopath absolutely. at the very least. So then it's really hard not to
1: see <laughs> Commander Rip as a nice alpha when that's your other character. I don't even know if I would call Midas an alpha. I think he's just, like, a weasel and, like, super manipulative, you know?
0: Like, yeah. I do
1: Rip might be the only—well, actually, I think all of Rip and his crew are alphas. Somehow yeah. they all yeah. survive together. Um, but I do. There's this one moment that I absolutely adore, and it's when he's finally handing her over to Midas, and Midas's guards, and they're like waiting for her, and she's getting off the horse, and he's like, "Are you gonna help her, like, get off the horse?" And like, oh, "Oh, right, no. yeah, we you're can't touch, to her. touch her. We're not allowed to touch her." And he's just like, "Fuck off!" And like, he goes and helps her off the horse. So it's yeah. Like, oh, you are a nice elf. That's very kind of you. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> Even well again have, it's not that like along. treating her like a person and not person. like an object yeah not like this is this, this object
1: that like has been warded off by Midas like nobody can touch her like like she's not human she's just something to stare at and keep your distance from so and she's yeah. a, po- a possession
0: she's a possession she is a
1: possession and that is made really 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 clear especially by the end of the book when she finally returns and he's immediately like all right get back in your cage," you know and she's like no I've changed I can't be that person anymore. Like, I want more. I don't want to be in a cage. It'll be okay. I'll be safe because the, the idea was the cage was always to keep her safe, but it really wasn't. It was just keeping her from becoming who she really is. Uh, and so she's and keeping, fighting her it. Separate. Separate, keeping her exactly. separate. Separate, exactly. Secluded, people. which is a yeah. classic move for an abuser. Like, you only have me. You can't confide in anyone else. Yeah, Nobody else can help you. You can't help yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I can see as being really, really triggering for anyone that has been in that kind of relationship. So I definitely would not recommend this book to somebody that hasn't, you know, healed.
0: Processed that Processed. fully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know that paranormal romance novels uh, should be used as a tool to help somebody process through trauma, but I... I mean, they probably do, But I do, do think though. it's very satisfying to, like, watch her growth to to grow with her throughout this series. Absolutely. But then it is sad because then you see her fight, like try
1: to be strong. And then basically it all blows up in her face because that's where you truly do find out like she is the wielder of the gold. Midas has got nothing. There's no power there. That man's weak. She's got it all. Um, And she actually turns the stand in her that was painted gold. So people thought she was already there. She turns her solid gold and kills her. And so then she's just, you know, once again, riddled in guilt and broken and back in her cage, even though there's no door because she broke it off. Way to go, (laughs) (laughs) Aaron. But yeah, Midas storms off. You know, he thinks he's got her back in place. He's manipulated her again because she's feeling all this guilt about killing the stand-in saddle. And then somebody shows up (laughs) in the room. So I should say first, um, Commander Rip, is like, okay, King Ravenger's is coming. So once he gets here, like, if you don't want to go back, you got to tell me now. Otherwise, things have, t- have to go as they're going to go. And so she's like, no, I don't want to go back. So King Ravenger does show up. And he ends up kind of striking a deal with Midas. Like, hey, we don't need to go to war. But I do want this small sliver of land that's in the fifth kingdom. And that's what I want. And hey, me and my troops are really tired. So you're going to let us stay here for a little bit and because you're having a party i heard the third territory or whatever i just said what it was and i already forgot the third something <laughs> god damn what is wrong with my brain uh they're yeah, coming yeah. and we're all me. gonna we're all gonna party together okay I'm like <laughs> i like okay i guess so um so he's in the the castle and then shows up in aaron's room she's like whoo king ravenger she's like she's definitely um Fearful of him, like he has tons of power. Well, he's it's got kind a of bad cool.
0: reputation.
1: He's got a real bad reputation for sending back like rotted heads, or actually that was Rip. He ripped a head off of someone, which they all laugh at because they're like, "We made that up." <laughs> that was a great scene. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he comes in like, and it's kind of cool actually. They describe him at one point because um, Commander Rip and Ravenger are together, and they're like, "Yeah, like the thorns, are, like the tree on." I'm getting confused. Rip. And then the roots are all in Ravenger, So, like, he has, like, these, like, intricate, like, roots that move through his skin. And he's, like, you know, dark. And he casts, like, a shadow and casts rot, basically. Like, you can feel this aura. Um, so he shows up in the room. And the, they, they're they chatting. I don't remember the exact banter between them. But basically, he comes out. He's like, it was, you know, I thought you knew who I was or something. He doesn't say it like that. It's a much more playful way. But <laughs> he is... They're one and the same. Yeah. So he basically morphs back in to Commander Rip, and that's where it ends. Once again, super satisfying ending, but a cliffhanger, but a cliffhanger where you don't hate the author. Like,
0: Yeah, you or, get some sort of like resolution or like, big reveal, or yeah. you get some answers.
1: Yeah, I love it. Like, you get an ending, but you want more. Like, it's great. Really well done with the endings, but yeah. So now you're like, oh, God, okay, how's this going to go down?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think I had suspected because obviously, yeah. like, once the, the true alpha of the series is introduced, then they're going to be the top dog. So it was, like, yeah. hard for me to think, oh, there's, like, a, a guy that's over you. You're not, yeah. like. <laughs> no,
1: okay, so that was so funny because I do remember that the first time I read it, I'm, like, I don't know if I'm okay with him being like the second alpha like you definitely for some in these books you want like the boo to be like the (laughs) biggest baddest right you don't want to think that there's someone bigger and badder above them like and I don't know why like (laughs) like it should be fine like he's strong
0: in charge
1: yeah you want you want the king you don't want the like second king's lackey (laughs) yeah i mean it's so funny but it's very like i that same like i don't know about this so we found it very satisfying maybe a little confusing but very satisfying that they were actually he actually was the king and then it also speaks more to him like he's a king that's like down there in the trenches with his troops and like really on the field with them and like Mm -hmm. has these close relationships with his people um which is
0: like huge in a likable alpha because yeah yes. that just shows the juxtaposition of this other guy doesn't want to get his hands dirty like, yeah he wants all this stuff done for him but he doesn't want to help he just wants to issue the orders
1: yeah he wants to be on his little golden throne and, and that's just obsess a bad manager things, six <laughs> yeah well and then you also have the contrast of melina so melina is like Midas is gone. Oh, and it comes out that Melina did actually set them up with the Red Rays. Like, she wanted right. Arne out of the picture. Um, So Midas is gone, and she's like, fuck him. I'm taking back over. This is my territory. This is my castle. My family has ruled here. So she's kind of planning her own little, like, coup on the side, right? And she's uh, she's get like... Trying to get, like, allies and connecting with, like, the families that have always been, like, the wealthy families and being like, you're cool if I rule, right? Yeah, you're cool. You're cool if I rule. (laughs) Um, But also, you see, like, at first I really wanted to have sympathy for her because she has to deal with Midas. Fuck Midas. But she's terrible like, and it's too bad because I did like, well, no, I still find her character intriguing, but you see her as a ruler that lacks any empathy. This just like, okay, I have to do this. So I look good so that I can have power. It's all about how can I have power and how can I control the situation? Um, very much like Midas. Midas is the same kind of ruler. Like, how can I have more power? How can I just have more, 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 but never about actually helping the people.
0: Right. Yeah. She's not interested in making no. uh, her, her place better she just wants to no. be top dog
1: yeah no like then they're like reading this i'm like well her and midas are actually a match made in heaven those two have a mm-hmm. lot in common but but yeah it is such a contrast to what is it king Ravenger. you find out his name is Slade at the very end mm-hmm. he introduces himself Slade king Ravenger. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah he's so he's like he's the leader that you want to have right that's like down there with you and helping you making y'all you strong and in it with you and you know what's the best for his people like I yeah know, it, it still
0: kind of creeps me out that he's rotten but <laughs> yeah that is a hard <laughs> one to get over. part about it i definitely like when he's ripped better but he has green eyes when he's Slade. that's true i mean look i'm not gonna <laughs> kick either of them out of bed but
1: <laughs> uh, yeah i have a hard time with rips black eyes like he has yeah. no iris or he mm-hmm. doesn't have... yeah he has no iris so it's all just black, which I'm like, mm, but, you know, whatever. I could be I deal that. with it. Yeah. She does mention she's like, oh, what I thought was just black and void is not. I can see like movement going on. I don't know. Something like that. So clearly I wasn't the only one that was concerned. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, love this book. Um, It's not spicy. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot. There is this weird non-existent kiss. Like, she basically, like, gets a message to Midas. She's like, I've got to prove that I'm loyal because she's starting to waver. She's like, I'm not sure who I am anymore. No, I'm loyal to Midas. And so she sends a hawk to Midas saying, King Ravenger has us. He's heading your way, you know, with troops. Yeah, and like she's like, prepared. I've done it. I've proved myself. I do know who I am. I'm loyal to Midas. You know, like, it's very much like an identity crisis moment. He, Commander Rip obviously knows. So like she comes back, they've been sharing this tent and he's just like, oh, so uh, something about the little message you sent. And then it's this weird moment where he just like holds her neck and she's like, but it's not threatful. I kind of like it. Like there's definitely many moments where she's like, I kind of am like entranced by his power. There's something about him that really draws me and sucks me in. Um, And then he just like brushes her lips with his lips and leaves. and then she's just like I mean it was hot but it wasn't like you know I wouldn't give it a lot of spice it was just like I was kind of like very like that
0: torturous (laughs) like the whole fact that they were sharing the tent together and you always were like oh is something gonna happen is something gonna happen Then nothing ever does and I guess that was like as close as you get to any sort of like physical contact yeah (laughs) that's true Yeah, so, and yeah, but it, I feel like these moments, like, in series, like, these moments are important because they're, like, helping with the buildup of...
1: Absolutely, and I think there's something really important about the fact that, like, Midas has always kept her separate. Like, Rip is immediately like, oh, you're staying in my tent. Like, there's this immediate, like, allowance of intimacy, right? Like, even though they're not sleeping together, like, they're sharing this space, and, like, I, she never feels threatened you know like it's just like a comfort there that she's with him every night and like I do kind of wish we had a little more moments between the two of them when they were in the tent together a lot of it she's sick and like Mm. passed out or like she's always slipping away early in the morning before he wakes because like she doesn't really want to face the fact that she's sharing a tent with him Um, so maybe that's why it is actually I think I just answered my own question (laughs) but yeah i loved this book but um it's
0: not like i wouldn't say it's spicy and i wouldn't say it's scary it's yeah. just
1: interesting it's, it's sort like getting of just to know like more getting, about like world. yeah exactly yeah. it's
0: just like unveiling some of the secrets that you were introduced to in the first book and being used as a vehicle to like get the story moving in the direction that it ends up being in for yeah. the next book so absolutely yeah, but I but loved yeah, it. I, I, I loved it book. too. And I liked all the, the walking around games.
1: I did too. No, I thought, it, I think, because like I said, I think there was a purpose behind it. There's a reason why we need to focus on the fact that she's lazily walking around and making friends because it's the first time it's ever happened for her, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and she does I go in a little, goes in.
0: I was just going to say it, it. It does get a little repetitive though. I can, I can certainly yeah. understand that complaint.
1: Why that be your takeaway? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she does go more into like her childhood too. Like, poor Aaron has had it very, very rough. Like, she's always pretty much been in somebody else's control since she was really young, um, and kind of just scraping by and doing whatever she could to survive. Um, so it's a nice moment for her to just be able to wander and like make friends with the chef. <laughs> I like the yeah. chef, and
0: like nothing's really like being asked of her. Yeah. She can just, she has that time for herself to explore and not, I don't know, not be, like, at somebody else's beck and call. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. I, I'm, like, like I said, I don't think I have any, I, I guess it gets one spice and one scare. I don't know. But it sounds like mm-hmm. I don't like it. I love this book. I think it's an important book in the series. Well, there's
0: lots of other, like, elements of a book besides spice yes. spiciness <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it gets a five in friendship development <laughs> there you go and a five in satisfying endings <laughs> yeah well I mean I guess like there's some smolder so that could be smolder. like sexy yeah build up is sexy to me it's just sexy Ooh. in like a frustrating way
1: very frustrating and then like there's a the whole like you don't want her to go back to him. Like, you're like, why are you but doing that? But you know this?
0: that she's going to. Yeah. Like, for me, it was like there was never a question that she was going to go back. I yeah, didn't think no, she was going to stay. But yeah, yeah, I mean, what, yeah. But it is like a little bit heartbreaking when he does give her that choice at the end and she. <sighs> it's like, why we going to choose that? But it's still disappointing
1: yeah it's true but yeah that i was like looking really quick i'm like yeah the book ends with yes goldfinch i am but you can call me Slade." i'm like (laughs)
0: like
1: that's hot in a weird way drop (laughs) yeah it's like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) One, he has a name it's not rip right and two he's the king
0: (laughs) right
1: but yeah i love this book i'm excited i'm already like you know chomping at the bit to read the
0: next one so well done yeah um, all right. Well, my pick for Kind Alpha is recent from A Court of Thorn and Roses. But more specifically, for the purposes of our podcast, I'm looking at the second book in the series, which is A Court of Mist and Fury. And it's by Sarah J. Mass. And it was released on the 5th of May, 2016. Hard to wow. believe it was that long ago. It's vintage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I had to read a court of Thorn and Roses because that's where you're introduced to this character. Um, and so I, like I'm not gonna look like everybody everybody's read this series. This is like a very wildly popular series in this genre and I almost feel like we should pro- like Twilight. We need to give up their own episodes probably. Um, but I'm just gonna give like a very brief synopsis. So the main character Feyre, is a mortal woman who exists in this very poor village and there's fae and there's this wall that's separating the mortal realm from the fae realm and the humans have been taught to be very afraid of the fae because they're kind of like the big bad of their world even though they did exist together once upon a time. And so Farah's is very poor. Her father was a merchant who lost all of his money and then went on to become injured. She has two older sisters um, who are a little bit like they're not really very likable characters in this book. Like they kind of I guess this is technically like a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, they seem kind of like the wicked stepsisters in a From way Cinderella yeah because they yeah, don't that. Yeah, <laughs> um they're just kind of but she loves them like they have she has this love and affection for them even though it's not necessarily returned um you know the oldest one Nesta is just mean she's just like this mean spirited lady and then Elaine the middle one is kind of just like really self-involved she's like the pretty flighty one who likes to garden but she doesn't really spend any time thinking about, like, how she can be of help or, like, assistance to the family. And they just let Farah take care of them. Yeah. And so she's had to learn how to hunt to, you know, provide food and basically keep them alive. Like, you know, sell the pelts from the stuff that she catches. Um, and so it starts with her going out hunting. And she kills this wolf. And she has this, like, kind of internal monologue where it's, like, she th- suspects that this might be a fae shapeshifter but kind of talks herself out of it because she's like it's this huge wolf and like I can get like our, my family will be fed for a week and I'll get so much money for the pelt and so she kills it and then late like the next day or something this huge wolf bursts in to their ramshackle <laughs> cottage and he's like you killed it's not his brother but like you killed my My people person yeah and it was a a fairy and so now i you can either die or i have to take you back over the wall to like live out the remainder of your days in fairy
1: very like old school fairy tales yeah and so
0: (laughs) obviously she chooses to go with him um because she had like broken a treaty where you know you can't kill a fae And so she goes there and she gets to the spring court and I'm like, I'm going to skip over this. So like the beast guy ends up being the high Lord of the spring court and his name is Tamlin. And there's like a curse that's been put on the spring court where they all have these like masks that are permanently affixed to their faces. And it's been that way for like 50 years because there's this big bad Named uh, Amarantha I think is how to say her name. And sure. she's been like ruling over all of the high lords. And she did something to where she like took away most of their power. Um, And I, they don't really explain it very satisfactory to me. I guess she did put this curse on them so they have the masks on them all the time. But for some reason like the spring court has been allowed to remain in their territory um but with masks, but with masks. And he, then she has taken some of, of the high Lord's power away for him from him. Oh, I guess it's because part of the curse is that they have 50 years to um have a human woman fall in love with him on her own accord in order to break the curse. And so yeah. we learn as she's there that, that, his sentries have been kind of volunteering themselves over the years to go out and basically, like, be a sacrifice to try to get somebody to kill them because that's part of the the deal. You have to find somebody whose, like, hatred for the Fae is such that she kills them without remorse, and then that woman has to fall in love with what she hates the most. And if Tamlin can get that to happen then the curse will be broken. And so for a while, they were, like, trying. They were going out and getting killed, but nothing ever became of it. And then for a long time, they just kind of gave up trying. But this guy that she ends up killing um, was, like, "It's the 50 years are almost up, so I've got to try one more time. Why
1: do they need to be killed?
0: I don't because, remember. Because, like,
1: the woman that falls in love has Th- to have killed someone? Or?
0: Because, like, the hatred in her heart has to be so great that she would just kill – one of them without having remorse she didn't it.
1: hate them she just needed some pelts right yeah <laughs> anyways we're not talking about him I mean
0: she distrust. <laughs> I will say that it was kind of like refreshing to read this again because the first book like you really do feel empathy toward Tamlin because he's not this like horrible person like he's been trying to take care of I don't feel like he's as horrible as Midas even no. though he makes oh, no. some like really questionable choices as the series goes on like he's definitely more about self interest and he has a really hard time like treating Farrah as her own person. Because sort of the same as Midas, he wants, he doesn't, I don't think he necessarily thinks of it as control in that I think Midas is very aware from the beginning that what he's doing is controlling her and that he gets off on that. And I think Tamlin is much more like an Edward from Twilight scenario where he feel, he genuinely feels like this control that he's exerting over her is for her own good and for her own protection. Yeah.
1: He's more tortured. Like, there's nothing tortured about Midas. Midas just wants to rule all.
0: Yeah. And I think that Tamlin does want to be a good ruler, and I think yeah. he does want to care. And his people do love him. Yeah. Um, and, and you also get to spend more time with Lucian, who is from the Autumn Court, but he has, like, a really tenuous relationship with his family members. Because the way that it works in Fae is, like, for the High Lord's families, it's kind of, like, whoever has the strongest power gets to inherit the title of high lord and it's not necessarily like the oldest in the family like if it were like a king um but it's whoever has the most power and so there's like a lot of like competitive uh really just danger that exists for like these high lords when they have brothers who are all kind of vying for power um And so with Lucy and his family is like really cruel and so I think they ended up like murdering the woman that he loved and so after that he was like fuck this shit like I'm not I'm just gonna leave and I'm gonna go live with Tamlin and be his emissary in his court um but I forgot how much I liked his character. And so it was. Oh, yeah. Nice. He was one of my favorites. And, yeah. And he kind of goes away. I mean, he comes back, exactly. but not. He, he comes back in a pretty minor role toward the end. So the first book is really where you get to spend the most time with him. Um, But yeah. So you meet Recent because they are having. Oh, I was going to get back to. So for, yeah, for whatever reason, for the curse, and I think Amarantha wants him to she's like super into Tamlin and she wants him to fold and like be her lover or whatever and he's holding out and so she is giving him like a little bit more leniency but all the other high lords she's like trapped under the mountain and they've like had to live under the mountain with her for 50 years and they've been like separated from their own court um and they've gotten all their power leached away so they're having this um like this celebration I forget what it's called like, Calamantha or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's basically, it's like, like, some like, seasonal festival. Thing, right? festival. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, Tamlin's been trying to court Feyre, but, like, his heart's not really in it at first. It's just, like, a means to an end. And at first he's like, I'm not even going to try because this whole thing's fucking stupid. And, like, she's never going to fall in love with me. And so he's just, like, trying to be nice to her and, like, make sure her needs are met. So it's, like, a very slow evolution of him trying to woo her and like them sort of developing this relationship between the two of them where their walls are getting knocked down. And she's learning, she's learning more about him as like a person and not just this like mythological fae that she's been taught her whole life to fear and hate um, and learning. it, But they he's also keeping a lot of things secret from her because I think that's part of the deal is that they can't tell her about the curse because it'll negate her falling in love with you know what I mean it has to like happen on its own
1: um these are normal curse rules we know
0: right (laughs) (laughs) and so the spring celebration is coming up and I guess Tamlin has to like choose a woman to do the deed with every year and the ceremony gotta do the act to guarantee prosperity for their court and so like all these like fay pheromones are floating through the air and everything's really charged. And so he's like, You have to stay in your room, Farah, because once like the spirit of the season comes <laughs> over me, I might not be able to, to like help you. myself from ravaging Ooh. you. Um and so Hot. she's like, Oh, okay, I'm gonna stay in my room. But then she starts hearing these drums and celebration, and of course, like she doesn't stay fit, stay where she's supposed to be. She has to go out and explore. She's got a man to find, yeah. (laughs) She just is like wanting to see. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't want to be separate. She's (laughs) yeah. She wants to like see what's happening, and she's curious. She's got a lot of curiosity about her, Um, and so she ends up um, running into this group of like fae grungers, and realizes all of a sudden that you know she's this mortal girl somewhere where she's not supposed to be and she doesn't see anybody she recognizes to to help her and they're gonna take advantage of this and go away and like probably rape her and horribly mutilate her um and then all of a sudden there's a man a man's voice that she hears and I think this is referenced quite a bit because it's the first time you meet Reese and he says there you are I've been looking for you And it's just this super hot guy who she says standing before me was the most beautiful man I would ever seen. Um, But he's also super scary because he's got the dark shadows clinging to him all the time and um, an edge to him. Well, isn't he like
1: ladies lover or something like not? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you don't know
0: that right now. You just it's like she's saved and she appreciates that. But then all of a sudden there's like something that's unsettling about him. So he offers to like escort her back to her room and she's like, no, like I'm going I'm to go over here and you enjoy the right <laughs> toodaloo. Um, and so she leaves and that's kind of like, that's all we see of, of Reese until Fera goes under the mountain, which, like, you know, we're not talking so, about that part of the book. But
1: is this the book that? Because remember, we were talking, we couldn't figure out what series it. Does she like fight some like yes. underground worm or, thing? That is this book. I, totally I always remember that. I was that. Of glass.
0: But oh, yeah. I always remember so that. I basically, I that like, <laughs> Tamron ends up falling in love with her. They fall in love with each other, and he's like, "I don't want to subject her to this. Like, if Amarantha finds out that she's here, she's just gonna murder her." You know what I mean? Like, she doesn't want the curse to be broken. The whole thing was a fucking joke to her. It was just her way to control me. So if she senses that the curse might actually have a chance of breaking, she's going to kill Farrah. So he sends her back home and is like, you know, go back to your life. I'm going to take care of your family. And he does. He, like, as soon as he kidnaps her (laughs) – which is pretty, what he does, he is, like, providing for her family. And so he gives them, like, their wealth back. And the ships that her dad lost are, like, mysteriously discovered. And so her family gets to be wealthy again. And he continues to take care of them through this whole part of the story, which is, like, well, that's... He's nice. nice. You know, like, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Um, So he's not this, like, horribly unlikable character by any means. But there is this very, like through line of it just being really milk toast yeah like there's something that's just like i don't know like i guess okay like he's hot yeah. and they're they've got some chemistry and they're falling in love and like that's, that's nice that's nice yeah. um but there's it's not quite like doing it for you you know and then you meet this other character and even though like I mean, I think they set it up to where it's like she says he's the most beautiful Beautiful. man that she's ever seen and his voice is so sensual. And so right away you're getting like, oh, who are you at? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, at this point, we don't know. Is he going to be like a bad guy? Is, you know, what's happened? Who is he? You just know that he's somebody intriguing. Um, so, you know, he sends her back and then she feels really guilty because she finds out a little bit more about the curse because one of her handmaid, basically, the lady who takes care of her at the castle kind of spills the beans a little bit about it. And so she ends up going back to the spring court. But once she gets there, like the manor is a mess and everything's broken and turned like, you know, you could tell something went down there. And the the handmaid is still there and she's like trying to collect some things together so she can run away and she tells Feyre, Oh, Amarantha came for him and basically like took him under the mountain. And so under the mountain she goes because, you know, she's a badass bitch and she's used to taking care of business and saving the day <laughs> for her family. And so she goes under the mountain to try to. I don't know what she thinks she's going to say. Save shoot, him. Like break him out or, yeah, yeah. But she kind of like realizes what she gets in there. Like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this was a super stupid, like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. And she gets caught like pretty immediately. And Amarantha gives her a um, a challenge to enter into a bargain with her where if she passes these three tests, then the curse will be broken or she also tells her a riddle, and if she can guess the answer to the riddle, that'll automatically break the curse and she won't have to do the challenges. And so, yes, like fighting this huge worm was the first challenge, and she like basically just it shows her being inventive and smart, and she's able to like get out of these scraps that she's these challenges that have been placed in front of her. Um, and you know, it's obviously the big bad lady thinks she's gonna die at the end of each challenge and so she gets like enraged when she ends up passing them and the second one she has a little help because she doesn't know how to read and they make a point of that and so um yeah who helps her it's
1: him right
0: yeah recent helps her that's what i remembered (laughs) because okay so when she's fighting the worm she ends up getting her arm sliced up really badly and um, she's pretty much, like, waiting for the second challenge down in the dungeon, but she can tell that she's dying. She's, like, has a really bad fever, and she's going in and out of consciousness. And then recent appears down there, and he's, like, I have a deal for you. Because, you know, the Fae are all about the bargains. You're always, <laughs> they're always, like, trying to make deals, and you you never want to enter into a bargain with a fairy." Um, but he says if she agrees to come and spend what they bargained down to one week a month with him at the night court because you learn that he is the high lord of the night court, Um, then sh- he'll heal her. And so she's like, whatever, I'm probably gonna die here <laughs> anyway. So I might as well just make this deal and like worry about it later. And so, as soon as she enters into the bargain, she her whole like left forearm and hand, this big, like intricate tattoo of all these black swirls shows up on her arm. And in the center of her palm is this eye. And so, this is like Creepy. a bond <laughs> that she has with him where it's like she can they can kind of like feel each other through this bargain. Um, and so for the second challenge it's like I can't even remember there's like riddles or something like that she has to like answer a question and she has like lever one lever two or lever three and she has to pick which one but she doesn't really know how to read and so she, and Lucian is like on the other side and like basically they're both gonna die because like it's kind of like the trash compactor And so. like these grates keep like getting smaller and smaller and they're basically going to like impale them if she doesn't pick the right answer and so she's just going to pick one and she goes over it with her hand and there's this like blinding pain that's coming out of her hand so basically it's Reese trying to like direct her toward the right answer through the bond um so anyway she ends up winning the challenges and this last challenge she has to murder there's, like, three hooded Fae, and she has to murder each of them, and then Amarantha is going to break the curse. And so she ends up murdering, like, two Fae, and this is something that really fucks her up, like, in the second book, because she feels this, like, awful, horrible guilt, but it's one of those where it's, like, I have to choose the life of these people in order to save hundreds that are all mm-hmm. trapped here under the mountain by breaking this curse. Um and so she kills two of them. And then when they take the cloak off of the third, it's Tamlin. And so it's like, ha ha, the joke's on you. Like you have to kill him to break the curse for his people. Um, and so she isn't going to do that, obviously. And then she like ha- she realizes the answer to the riddle in that moment. Or I think she actually starts getting beaten first. But basically Amarantha's like beating her to death. And she has a realization of the answer to this riddle, like, as she's dying. And so the curse gets broken. Um, and then she's dead. She's basically, like, she's watching herself through Reason's eyes as she's dying because of their bond. And... They end up saving her because the curse is broken. So the High Lords get their power back in that moment. And each of the High Lords like go drop a little bit of their power into Pharaoh to bring oh, her back right. to life. And she ends up becoming a High Fey because I guess that's what happens when <laughs> you get brought back to life. And so, you know, so... And then when Tamlin gets his power back, he just murders Amarantha. And so that's really like, oh, okay. I thought you were going to be like the big bad of this series, but I guess not because you just got murdered. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of surprising. Um, I think Sarah Mass is like a super super queen of the misdirect for her first books because you know you're like oh this this book is about this and then by the end of it you're like oh this book ain't about that at all like we're going in a totally different direction so at the end of the book um she has this heart to heart with Reese who's like basically telling her she's wishing she doesn't know how to let go of that like human side of herself because now she's like this immortal fae and she has all this guilt about killing these two Faye and she doesn't know where to put that she doesn't know if she should feel even happy about being alive and like basically Reese is telling her you know not to sacrifice her human heart because that's what allowed her to survive through this um and then he's like okay toodaloo like till we meet again because we've got this bargain where you're gonna come hang out with me and then (laughs) I remember like reading this the first time because they're like on the balcony and they're all, you know, getting ready to leave to go back to their courts. And he's like, okay, I'll see you later. And then all of a sudden he, like, stumbles and looks all, like, wide-eyed at her and is like, oh. and then he just, dis- and she's like, what the hell? And then he just disappears. And you're like, okay, well, I don't know what that was all about, but clearly that's going to come back later. <laughs> and so the next book is all about Farah and Tamlin trying to, like, come back to some sort of normalcy at the spring court and they're going to get married and he's like super fucked up about his time under the mountain and he like couldn't save her and he couldn't protect her and she just had to be subjected to all of those things and he couldn't do anything. So he's started to become like extra protective and he won't let her like leave the house without guards around her. And he's just basically like systematically making her world very, very small um, and Farrah is, like, used to having a certain amount of freedom, and so her, like, and she's also trying to deal with this trauma, and so is he, and they're not, like, really able to communicate that with one another to heal, so they're just, like, basically becoming, like, super separate, um, and kind of, like, going into their trauma instead of away from it, you know, like, they, they don't know how to heal, and they don't know how to turn to each other to heal. Um, but they're going to get married and she basically has like a panic attack going down the aisle and she's just like, somebody help, like somebody please help me, like get me out of here. And and Reese hears her through the bond. And so that's when he decides to show up to be like, okay, I'm going to start my time with you for one week (laughs) every month, starting now. (laughs) Yeah, and so... Um you get to like go to his to the night court and they they do say in the first book that Amarantha had d- designed under the mountain to be like the night court and so as soon as Feyre makes this bargain with Rhys she's like I'm going to have to go to somewhere that's just, like, under the mountain. And so she's really, like, panicking about that. Um, And he waits, like, I think it's, like, three months before he starts calling in the bargain. Um, But she's really surprised to find out that she gets taken to this gorgeous house that's, like, on the top of a mountain. And everything's really bright and open. And none of the windows have... Um, glass on them they're all just kind of open but magic like stops the breeze from coming in too much so it's like really airy and she ends up finding like peace there like all of a sudden she like all these pressures have been taken away and so even though she like wants to hate Reese and Reese has like you know he was Amarantha's whore that's like what everybody called him basically he was like her servant boy and he like killed people and he's able to like crush people with his mind that's part of his power he has like these shadows and um you know like, he's like a scary kind of guy everyone's a little bit afraid of him um and so she she doesn't know what to make of him because all of a sudden he's like there and he's treating her with this kindness um and just sort of leaving her alone like she didn't know what what was gonna happen when she got to the night court, but he's just sort of like, "Here's this beautiful house in your open airy room, and like I'm gonna teach you how to read and also train you to use your powers because he can tell that like somehow when she got a drop of all the different high Lord's juice, it like also Ew. came
1: juice,
0: <laughs> li, your yeah, power." Juice. <laughs> We all put our she's juice up. in her. She's yeah. all juiced up. Yeah, Juice drop. Power juice. <laughs> okay. Anyways, anyway. She needs to she, learn. He has like kernels of power from all of the High Lords. So she can like make flame and make ice and make shadows. And juice. She can, yeah, she's got her own juice now. She doesn't need their <laughs> juice anymore. <laughs> so he's like training her I don't know. It's it's it reminds me a lot of your book. And it sounds a lot like my commander. <laughs> yeah. And that like he wants her to be strong and he also like offers her a job because we learn that the real big bad of the series is the king of Highburn. And Amarantha was like one of his sentries, but he decided to like give her all of this power to as kind of what we learn as a test to see how well the high lords can be controlled. And it was all part of his grand plan to, to bring the wall down and to take control over all of the world, basically the fae and human realms. And so, since Reese was kind of like Amarantha's right-hand man, he kind of like played along through all this period. So he has all this inside information and he knows that there's a war coming and he wants to, he does want to use Feyre and he wants to be able to use her powers to like help win the war. Um, And also for her to be like the emissary to the humans, since she was a human to try to enlist their help because the Fey and humans had fought together a long time ago in another war. Um, <laughs>
1: it's very Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs> and so, you know, he kind of uses this as like a reason for her to get, well, I need you to get strong because I need you to to take on this, this role for me. Um, and so it is kind of a manipulation because really he just wants her to get strong because he can see how broken that she is from her time under the mountain. And she sees that, you know Tamlin is just trying to control her instead of build her up and so she can he can sense those kind of cracks in that relationship and that she's not happy like every time she comes there for her week she's like her clothing fits looser she's got these like bags under her eyes she's like wasting away basically um She paints. That's a big part of her character. She, like, loves painting, and when she gets back from under the mountain, she, like, can't even look at her brushes. You know, like, a part of herself has died. She's lost her humanity and become a fae, and she doesn't really know what to do with that. And so Reese comes in, and he's just, like, helping her and building her up and offering her a job. And, you know, wanting her to choose strength and to choose healing. And, you know, she has nightmares every night where she wakes up and um, throws up. And she doesn't do that when she's at his. I don't know. She feels like this sense of calm that she doesn't feel at the spring court.
1: Well, he's also like helping her find a place in this new world that she's kind of been thrown into. And kind of like showing her how she can move forward. You know, instead of, yeah. just, like you said, being lost in the trauma of what happened. and Right. You know.
0: And then you also learn that he has been using all of his power to hide the fact that his real home isn't the night. I mean, it is the night court, but it's this hidden city called Valeris. And that's where his people really are. Like they do have people that live in the night court and those are all the like scary grungers and he is in charge of them too, but I don't know. It's, that part's actually a little bit strange because it's like, well, what's up with those people? Like yeah. He doesn't want to spend any t- actual time there. He goes to like met out his judgment or whatever and play the, the high lord role under, or they don't call it under the mountain, but like in the night court, which is in the mountain that's underneath his cool house that he has. But then he spirits her away to the city of... Oh, I already forgot what it was called. The Laris. City of Starlight or something oh, is what they call where it. where his city real people Starfall. are. Yeah, and you learn that I think it's um, Starfall. yeah. he's kept this whole city a secret from Amarantha and the King of Highburn for all of these years, and he's used, like, every drop of power that he's had left to basically distract her Including his sexy prowess. That's like why he becomes her lover. Because he just tries to give her whatever she wanted so she wouldn't like look too deeply into his uh. mind. To like find that there was this city that he was hiding a bunch of people in. To include like his two right hand men, uh, Cassian and Azriel, Who are these Illyrian warriors. And they have these like wings. And they're super hot. And these siphons, which are, like, these cool, like, gems that they wear on themselves. And they help to, like, focus and direct their powers when they're fighting. Um, And Reese also has wings. Um, He's half Illyrian and half Fae. uh, But he is able to, like, glamour the wings away when he doesn't want people to see them. And so that's super hot because you get, like, (laughs) you get the Reese who's, like, the Illyrian (laughs) warrior and these hot fighting leathers oh
1: God. and I haven't read this in so long I, I do remember it but it's vague but yes yeah. I do remember the wings and I remember thinking it was hot
0: <laughs> yeah but then he also can be like this you know put together black suit no wings guy I when he's the like playing suit. the diplomat um so yeah I don't know I mean I'm all over the place, honestly, because this book just makes me really hot. And I just it's like when you're trying to tell somebody about a guy that you have a crush on and you're just like, he's just perfect and he's mine. And is there like
1: <laughs> are there I don't remember, like, are there moments between them in this book? Like, yeah, so does they, he have feelings
0: like does it? Like, yeah. So, okay. I mean, it comes back around because when he's like stumbles and is like, oh, God like what's happening yeah, in stumble. Facebook, right? that's because the mating bond had locked in place okay yeah i thought and there was so, something like that yeah <laughs> yeah so like all through the book i mean you know you get like the it is sexy because there's like the sexy smolder that's going on and you're like learning more about reese and his past and he's showing her his world and like the true him and they like they also have a lot of battles of will between them, so they have really good banter, and they, like, write notes back and forth to each other because he's teaching her how to read. That's right. That's right. But she learns really fast, so, like, good it's for Always her. doing these books, man. Yeah.
1: Geniuses, all of and, them. And, like,
0: she's training with – she trains with Cassian – For like the physical combat training. But then she trains with Reese to like school her powers. Because she ends up being very powerful. And that's kind of a little bit of a cheat. Because they don't really get too much into the training sessions. But then you know at the end of the into the next book. Which you know I won't get into. But she ends up like basically just mastering all of these powers. And it's like this force to be reckoned with. Um. She's got all those different juices in her, so yeah. And know. so, so you, f- she discovers actually uh, the surreal, which is like this mythical creature that she traps a couple of times in the first book because Lucian tells her about this creature who will like basically knows everything and will answer questions for you. It's like an and oracle so, creature. Yeah. And so she's flying around with Reese. I think they were doing, like, they were doing <laughs> their training, but her her powers are so volatile and they're also trying to keep it under the down low, like, that she has these because if the High Lords find out that their juices gave her, <laughs> gave her part of their powers, then they're probably mm. going to want to kill her. Because it's like, oh shit, like, we... It's-
1: can't be powerful
0: accidentally made somebody who's more powerful than we are for all intents and purposes and that won't stand um but anyways like it ends up being like the king of highborn is or highburn is um tracking him and so like people keep shooting arrows at them when they're going places and they don't know who it is and then one time when uh, Reese is carrying Pharaoh, he gets shot out of the sky with these ash arrows and so she has to like bust in and kill all of the people that are holding him hostage which she finds out are high people and trying to save him but the arrows got poison and so he's like kind of dying in this cave and she doesn't know what to do so she goes and traps the cereal to find out how to help him heal which it ends up being her blood that heals him, but the cereal lets it slip and says, this is the way to cure your mate. And she's like, oh no, excuse me, what? Mate? My, what did you say? My mate? And so then she gets super pissed because she's like, well, does he know he's my mate? And the is like, oh yeah, he knows. He totally knows. Duh. <laughs> and so then she's like, well, now I can't trust you. Like, you've fucking been lying to me this whole time and so you get that like separation between them because she's like get the fuck away from me like I need to be on my own to process this because I thought I could trust you and now I find out that you've just been manipulating me too. Has she left the guy at this point like is she still going back and seeing? No she left him because oh yeah I should have mentioned that was a pretty big part so they go back and forth for a little while but he ends up becoming so controlling that he like won't even let her leave the house and she keeps begging him like just let me go with you to do this or that and then one time she's like I'm just gonna go like I'm standing up for myself I'm gonna go it's gonna be fine and he puts like a shield around the house to like trap her inside the house and she she basically just has a huge freak out about that um And has like an anxiety attack and shuts down. And actually some of Reese's power starts coming out. So this all like this blackness is swirling around her. And she's just having a panic attack. Because it's making her feel like she's back under the mountain. And Mm -hmm. she can't believe that Tamlin did that to her when she tried to tell him that she was already feeling panicky and trapped. And then he just actually traps her in the house. And so that was like the last straw. And uh, Moore, who's one of recent's members of his family, um, swoops, winnows in, that's what they call it, when they can like poof into places, it's called Winnow? winnowing, um, and takes her. And then she's like, I'm just going to stay in the night court and I'll work for you and I can't go back to the spring court right now. I don't know, you know what's going on there, but I just can't go back. Um, and so that's kind of like the first part of the book is her deteriorating and then she goes to the to like basically live at the night court full time um but yeah Yeah. i don't like that sometimes like the whole
1: oh i'm so mad because we're mates and you didn't tell me why did he have to tell i don't know (laughs) yeah well it
0: ended up being like very kind of him to not tell her because he knew And he was going to let her marry Tamlin because he's like, well, she really loves him. And he's all about choice. You know, like he wants everything to he wants her to understand that everything is her choice. And so he's like, you know, the reason I didn't tell you is because I didn't want you to, I wanted you to choose me on your own and not have you think it was only because of the mating bond which we find out is really like the bond that they've had it hasn't been through the bargain at all it's been because they're mates and so that's why they're able to like the bargain they made kind of helped that but really it's like the mating bond that is keeping them connected in that way um and then they get together and they fuck and it's great <laughs> <laughs> It's a classic, oh, thank classic goodness. scene. Yeah. She's painting, and he, like, finds her in the cabin. And at this point, she's like, okay, I've made peace with it. And, like, I totally love him. I just got mad that, you know, he was keeping something from me. And then she's like, everything's wet with paint because she's been painting all over the place. And then they're, like, slipping and sliding around on the dining room table and all the wet paint. And it's pretty hot. I don't it's remember this
1: at all. So clearly so. I need to reread. I mean, I I've these really when been it came enjoying
0: out. it. Yeah, it's been a few years. I think I, I read them after they came out, but it was like 2017, I think, is when I bought these. So, yeah. um, but as far as like scary, I think it's really scary. Um, the, all the stuff under the mountain with the trials and stuff like that. And then even in the second book, they go. Do you remember the bone collector? Yeah. They have to like go get information from him and he can like show up. He appears to everybody differently and she sees yeah. him as this like little boy and <laughs> and like that's really scary and like Reese had to offer him like a bone. He brought one of the bones from the worm that she fought and killed as like an offering to get information. So that was like really creepy. And then there was another scene where he charges her with this task of like going in to take this ring back from this we- the weaver.
1: And it's oh, yeah, kind of like a that
0: one. old witchy like character who lives in this cottage in the woods and she's blind but she can sense everything else and so she's got all these objects she's hoarding and he didn't tell her what it was she just had to go in and see if the object would call to her. And this whole part is kind of reminiscent of the fever series and how Mac is like like calls to like and like the mm-hmm. book she could feel the book's presence. Um Feric and like they had to find the cauldron in this book that's also being held by the human queens because that was, like, the only way to conquer the King of Highburn is to deactivate this cauldron that he's got in his possession and he's using. So this trip to the weaver was supposed to be, like, a way to test out if she'd be able to she feel the it. cauldron. And so, like, she almost ends up dying and she has to go through up the chimney because the weaver like locks her into the house and then she's like got all this kind of fat from like human beings that's what i remember killed like all over (laughs) her and so like you know stuff like that's not great because then reese is just like kicking it in the woods and is like oh god what's all over you and she's like what the fuck dude i almost died in there and he's like nah you were fine you had it (laughs) i knew you had it under control um But, you know, it's also like it's really empowering for her because that's like the opposite of Tamlin. And it's like Mm -hmm. Reese sees her as this like capable woman who fought out of from being under the mountain and won over Amarantha and, you know, fought to take care of her family, fought against death and wants to like wants her to remember herself and come back to herself and understand how powerful and capable she is. Um, so even though he's putting her in these situations, which seem, (laughs) I don't know, like, cruel, (laughs) cruel. yeah, there's like, that's not, you find out that that's not his motivation for it at all. He just, he, he, he will be there to save her, but he wants her to know that she can save herself.
1: It's very Jericho Barons of him.
0: Yes. I mean, yeah, go figure. They're my, my two favorite.
1: It's basically both of these alphas we're discussing are Jericho Barons-like, but, they don't cut the females down as much.
0: They're, <laughs> they're also little, like a little
1: kinder in their delivery.
0: <laughs> they're also like capable of hu- more human, emotion. more human.
1: Yes. Yeah. Like, that's a big thing with him. The, He's not yeah, human.
0: Yeah. At all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're just like a more humanized version, but I do find it to be sexy and scary. Like I could always do with more sex you know like you really have to wait for it it's like the very end once they finally get to get in but she like she does have sex with Tamlin but like yeah. all those scenes are like eh. that was so
1: weird like how cuz this was the first book i ever read that was like this genre that had such a misdirect in the beginning but like you still like i remember reading it and being like i don't know if i really like this guy but i guess he's the guy so i guess i'm along for the ride i'm like but then, like so many people, got that one little snippet of recent and, and attached to it. I was like, "That's kind of magic. Like, how did she do that? How did she, mm-hmm. how did she craft us that way?" <laughs> like, yeah, because, like you said, it was like one line. You know, like it wasn't. I've, you know, I've been looking for you, but for some reason, that
0: stood out. You know, <laughs> it's very yeah. interesting. And you get more of of that. It's he'd been like dreaming of this yeah. woman, um, but yeah, I don't know. For those of you who haven't read it, it's a fantastic series. It's, like, definitely way up there for me. Um, Big fan of most of her her work, Sarah J. Mass. But yeah, this this one's supposed to be made into a series on Hulu, but I don't know what's going Mm -hmm. on with that. Well,
1: Fever was supposed to be a movie forever and ever ago. That never happened. Yeah. So maybe the project got dropped. I don't know. I think it did. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about this project, but yeah. Who knows? But I mean, it was
0: supposed to be like they had a producer attached and everything. It was one of the same producers that did the Outlander series. Maybe it's just taking some time, you know? Yeah, I mean, COVID happened and all that, so I don't know. Hopefully it'll – I mean, I say hopefully it'll happen, but I'm positive I'm going to be disappointed in the casting choices because they're going to be like 18-year-olds. Ew.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They can just go back to how we did it in the 90s where we cast like 30-year-olds is – 18-year-olds I fine.
0: I wish that we would, because I yeah. don't have really have any interest in 18-year-olds trying to play 500-year-old Illyrian warrior Fey guys. You don't think they're going to get it? <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, well. we'll and you know, Farrah is supposed to be like 18 or 19. I think she is, so. Eh, whatever. She's 30 in my mind. <laughs> So yeah, nice alphas. There you go. There's a couple of them out there. So we're not really (laughs)
1: sure are nice, but we're going to call them nice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So you want to tell them our theme for next week? Our theme next week is choosing sides. And it's probably just going to shock and awe everybody what you're reading. (laughs) What are you reading?
1: It starts with a G. (laughs) Don't ask me which one. Uh, Gleam. 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 It's gleam. Yeah, right. Yeah, Raven Kennedy. I get what you're going for. You had a theme there, but did you really have to make every single book title so similar? It's really hard for me. To They're all like
0: four-letter words too. Aren't <laughs> Let's they? start with like G. glint is five, I think. But yeah, yeah, but yes, gleam. Oh, gleam is also five. Okay, We're reading gleam. gleam. Yes. What and are you? Reading? I am reading a book that you picked for me. I haven't read before. It's called uh, Blood Oath by Ray Wagner, and it's also a series. Oh, I remember this book. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. I remember this one. Okay, it
1: took me a second there. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I haven't really looked at it too hard yet, so I don't know. I think there's like 13 books, so I'm not sure if it's one of those where it's like all the same world, but it's focusing on different characters in each book.
1: There's definitely multiple books on this couple
0: okay uh, well, i don't know if lot. there's
1: 13 i think that there might be some spinoffs there i don't think that's yeah. all them um i'm actually not fit fan- like i know that there was a new book and i started to read it and then i was like i have to read the other ones over and then <laughs> i had much other stuff to read yeah but we'll see if maybe i can pull off two books in one week because i don't remember this book very well but i remember yeah. that i liked it okay and i remember there's yep. some like choosing sides happening yeah
0: <laughs> All right, well, I'm excited to read it. All Um, right. All right, well, until then, keep reading, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of the Sexy Scary Book Club with your hosts, Lisa and Jessica. We have more episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you pod. If you like us and want to hear more, Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram, at sexyscarybook, or send us an email and tell us what you think at sexy scary book club at gmail.com.